was like, Boom. I can share all everything without. Yeah. Thankfully, we always have the YouTube backup. <laughs> uh, what Hawkins say? There's a camo glitch that's been out for a couple days where you can put any camo on any gun as long as you have that camo. Well, what camo is it? <laughs> also, I wonder if, um, if as long as you leave it on the gun, if you'll be able to keep it on there even after they fix the glitch. Because I'm sure you won't be able to, after they fix the glitch, you won't be able to put on any camo. But if you have a camo on a gun, if it'll take it off or not. <laughs> Two and a half hours this morning putting Damascus on Cold War and Vanguard. Uh, oh, I see. Interesting. So you can put Vanguard and camo, uh, camos on the Vanguard or camo guns from, the op from different games and stuff? And can, like, which camo do you have to have that causes the glitch? Interesting. I wonder if a lot of these like glitchy sort of things will be fixed in the with the new kind of ground up build up for the Warzone 2.0 and whatnot. I wonder if that'll help versus like kind of the stacking boxes of clay on top of boxes of clay. <laughs> Oh, gotcha. So it's just across the board glitch. Can ev does everyone have the glitch or only like specific random accounts? What are you lighting up, Revere? Uh, it's one of the unmarked farm rolled ones. Uh, the ones that didn't have uh, any wrappers on them. From no plastic or anything? Last, last, uh, I think that was last month. Yeah, they were just uh, playing in the bag. Yeah, those ones are really good. I had one they that are. didn't burn super I well. The rest of them were phenomenal. I smoked one Sunday and it was excellent. Yeah, nice. Smoked without me. It's a little late. <laughs> uh, I smoke all the time without you, so. <laughs> it evens out. Maybe what we should do is have a podcast every time one of us smokes. <clears throat> that would be many podcasts a week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is my second podcast of the day, folks. <laughs> gotcha, Hawkin. Interesting. Honestly, like after Vanguard, playing Vanguard last night, one thing I did have other than like, you know, I kind of wish we were playing NW is that I think to a certain extent, I wonder if it would be because I, I don't think I had played for at least a week or longer before we played yesterday and like about an hour and a half in, I started like hitting some real smooth buttery movement. And I wonder if that would also help a little bit is like not having to spend the first hour, hour and a half getting my movement back um, from taking too long of a break. Cause I got old, old hands, you know, <laughs> decrepit. Revere, I was thinking we got to see if we can get your camera to flip sideways so you can get the full 1080p um or i guess it's not really 1080p but the uh, I mean landscape i can do view. this does it not flip the camera oh yeah it doesn't flip it okay never mind on my phone if what if you flip it the opposite way does it do it then all right hold on i had screen lock on so let's see yeah yeah that fills up the uh the panel better 
it's still a little bit different than like, you know, normal webcam, but it's like, it's a bigger, better picture overall. Hawkins says, I'm literally playing an MW car in multiplayer Warzone with a black diamond skin from Zombies Cold War. <laughs> That's the way it should be, man. You should be able to. It should be, yeah. You should be able whatever. to do whatever you want. Maybe it's not a glitch. It's not actually a glitch. They just accidentally, you know, hit the trigger too soon. Seems like um, yeah, they accidentally made the game better. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, fix the glitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll you fix the update the game. <laughs> How's the car? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I uh I didn't really care when I when like dad picked it out or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I was just happy to have a car. <clears throat> I wasn't like, I was like, yeah, this looks this looks nice. I was like, you know, I just wanted someone to tell me what was good and then I'd buy it and go drive it or whatever. I didn't mm -hmm. care. But then I <laughs> I started driving it and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, I took it out for a spin yesterday and tested out the sport mode and the paddle shifters and that was pretty fun. So. Nice. Nice. Uh, man. Yeah. Cause well, I guess we haven't shown anybody pictures obviously cause you know, social media, but if you sent me a picture and it's a pretty sweet looking, uh, sweet looking rig. So well, it's not really a rig. I feel like a car has got to be at least a, at least a, um, uh, well, SUV, if you're going to call it a rig. Yeah. Ah, I called it Hawkin. He fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully he can get on now. <laughs> uh, I wondered about, because he was slow to text me this morning, and I know he's been got a lot going on. He's managing uh, his uh, work because his boss is out of town. So uh, the way he was responding to me this morning made me think he was sleepy. So I guess it kind he of also stays up late a lot. That's true. He definitely has a much later schedule than me. Sometimes he sends messages in the chat when like it's late for me. So, <laughs> yep. Well, newly late for you. Yeah, that's true. Well, tell him we said hi, Hawken. We're sorry he missed the, uh, uh, missed the beginning of the live. <laughs> you do any fun this, uh, anything fun this weekend? This weekend? No, just, just a normal weekend for me. Nice. Yeah, I didn't do too much either. <laughs> Apparently, Jeremy stayed up late last night, and he and Hawken played MW multiplayer last night after we got off, so. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, I didn't do too much. Well, it's supposed to be rainy and stuff. So I figured I would just kind of hunker down and whatever. And then like the weather slowly got better. So I ended up going out and I, uh, well, I went to the soccer field, the one that has the wall on it yeah. right before I pulled up, right. I've got this, you know, I've been applying for jobs, trying to think, figure this situation out pretty stressful and, and whatnot. And obviously I've been praying a lot about it, et cetera. And I was pulling up to it. And like, before I got to where I pulled in and you could see if the fence was still there, I was like, Lord, please let that fence be gone. So I can just kick the ball. And I pull in and the fence was gone. And I was like, nice. at least I know the Lord's listening. <laughs> like you may not That's be awesome. answering the big questions, but I'll take an answer to the small one. <laughs> 
That sounds good. I actually did do something. I went uh, over to James's place and we smoked a pipe over a fire, which is nice. Nice. Yeah. So Wednesday night is normally movie night for me. And or what movie night for me, movie night for me, Vienna and um, her best friend, Aaron. And uh, this week, Vienna can't do it because of her schedule or whatnot. And so we're, I was trying to think of like stuff we could still do and like at least hang out with being the dog. And I was going to suggest a fire, but then I was looking at the weather and it's like up until I think like 9 p.m. or something, it's supposed to be over 80 degrees. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to fire in 80 degree weather in the backyard. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty warm. <laughs> it's one thing if you have open space, but like you're surrounded by the fence, so like breeze doesn't mm-hmm. really get through or anything. I was like, eh, <laughs> maybe not. But you guys still have cool enough weather over there where a fire's just right. Yeah, that was perfect. It was a nice cool breeze. It's a nice we're evening. T- we're talking about going camping in uh, in a couple weeks, maybe like uh, first week of June or no, July. Um, but I don't know what the weather's going to be like. And I'm trying to, I think we're going to go to our usual spot. And I was trying to figure out like, you know, I guess we have a fire in the afternoon or in the evening, in the morning. So Jeremy you and Jeremy or no, I think we're going to try and get the small group of us to go, hopefully. So nice. that'll be fun. How, how was your nap, Jeremy? You prepared to uh, kick some butt now that you're rested up. <laughs> um. But anyway, so I think uh, I think we'll have to we'll have to find out if I have a new technique for how to keep the fire going when it's eighty degrees or whatever. <laughs> I also wonder like what the bugs will be like because I haven't been up there in actual warm weather. It's always been fall or spring and or winter. <laughs> so have, have you tried that new? Not I say new. I've just never used it before. The bug the spray mosquito repellent. Yeah. Have yeah. you had a chance to test it out and does it work? Yeah, I've found that it works. It doesn't. Um, I use it at the river the last couple of times I've gone. And with that, like, I think two times ago or whatever, when I went down there, nap was just great. Good, Jeremy. <laughs> I, oh, dude, to be fair, I, 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 uh, I jest with you, but honestly, I was this close to taking a nap. So I, I had a headache this afternoon, no energy. I was kind of toast staring at the computer screen, dying. And I almost took one getting too hot under the blanket. <laughs> That's why I woke up. Been there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, didn't, I didn't end up doing it. Um, but yeah, I was close. Uh, I was very close. Actually, speaking of naps, Jocko, Jocko Willink has this thing where someone asked him like, you know, do you ever get tired or whatever? Cause of his crazy schedule and he's always working out and doing a hundred things or whatever. They said, you know, every once in a while I'll get tired and I'll like, you know, I'll take a 10, 20 minute nap or 15, 20 minute nap or whatever he said. And his, he said like, you, uh, you want to elevate your feet, like put them on the couch, lay on the floor, put your feet on the couch and like elevate them above your head. Basically he said, do that, you know, take 15, 20 minutes it'll be like you slept six hours. I don't know if that's, you know, maybe necessarily six hour part. It might be a little uh, extra for the rest of us. But, um, but I, I did try that once I slept for like 30 or 40 minutes, <laughs> uh, but I did, I threw my uh, feet up on the bed and just laid on the lid on the floor and it seemed to work. So <laughs> I, I almost tested it out today, but uh, I didn't quite. Cause I had some well, maybe Jeremy can be our test 
subject. When he yeah, Jeremy, uh, tomorrow when you're tired again, take a nap, uh, 20 minutes, feet up on the couch or bed or whatever. Um, what was I talking about? I was talking about camping. Camping and fire. And then we were talking about mosquito repellent. And you were telling me oh, that yeah, how yeah. It, doesn't, so, it doesn't work. So, yeah, a couple times ago, I went down and like within three minutes of being outside of the car before I even got to the river, walking to the river, I got bit. I put it on after that. Well, I didn't put it on right away. I got a couple more bites. And then over the course of the day, I put it on. And then the last time I went, I put it on like as soon as I got out of the car and I didn't have any bites um, from right. mosquitoes. It doesn't work on like, like bugs or whatever, like normal, like random bugs, but it works for flies and it works for mosquitoes, at least in my still limited experience. Nice. Yeah. I might do a backpacking trip again this summer with James and Sam. So maybe I'll have an opportunity Why would it be to might? test it out. You got to make that stuff happen, man. Well, because I don't know everyone's schedule yet. I just thought of it a couple of days ago. How did you just think of it, man? It's been months. I've thought about it for you multiple times. Well, you could be here and do it, but you choose not to. Do it, so. <laughs> good point. <laughs> it's all good, Jeremy. It's all good. I was just giving you nap tips. That's all. <laughs> uh, don't want to distract you from the game. Hawking in the headphones, trans transcribing. Well, that's good. It's good. Someone's paying attention. Uh, <laughs> Um, but maybe that means Hockett isn't locked in. Um, anyway, um, answers are yes, 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 and never. <laughs> Good to know. Um, but, uh, dudes, so speaking of being outdoors, so today I was trying to kill some time, trying to, well, technically I was supposed to be resting my eyes and staring at the computer for multiple hours straight, but I just came outside and had a cigar and got on my laptop instead. But um, I, uh, I was watching a couple like hunting YouTube videos and whatnot. And what, one of them was these, these guys were elk hunting in, I think it was Montana. Dude, it's like this elk walks up onto this meadow and it's, it's like wide open. They're not in the trees, nothing in the meadow. It's like 160, 100 yards away. You know, the camera zoomed in. And dude, this thing is just like this wide, just like walking around he's bugling his face off dude it was so cool I was like, dude i don't know if i could i mean i probably would if i was there to hunt it but it would be hard to be like i'm gonna shoot this amazing majestic animal like dang it was that is awesome <laughs> it was so cool yeah it was it was awesome they couldn't shoot it either because they were bow hunting it was too far away but <laughs> <laughs> It was a little weird though because they weren't uh, they didn't try and call it into them. They were on like the tree line. They didn't try and call it into them at all. And I was like, he's bugling like crazy. He's clearly in the rut. I don't know why they weren't trying to get him in, but I'm gonna fight this guy. Pretty humid out. It's like, well, it's not as bad. Earlier today it was like 70 or something percent, but um you watch any uh, movies, shows, content of any sort worth commemorating in the podcast this week? I did. I watched uh, I watched Matt Walsh's What Is a Woman documentary, which was excellent. I watched uh, Goodwill Hunting, 
Um, was that the first also. time or have you seen it before? No, first time. Oh, yeah. well, tell me what you thought. <laughs> What'd you think? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I didn't feel that the acting was as high level as it could have been. Uh, but I did enjoy the storyline and the character development quite a bit. So I thought that was really good. Uh, so overall, yeah, I really liked it. Definitely. My two favorite scenes are one, which, I mean, I'm sure this is everybody's favorite scenes, but one when, well, I forget his name. Why am I blanking? Um, the therapist, um, when they're sitting on the bank and he's telling him the next morning what he thought about what he said about the painting. Yeah. That scene is so good. Here's a scared, yes. shitless little kid. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if I was asking you about love, you'd probably quote me a sonnet. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you'd never know what it means to lie awake at night, you know, by a hospital bed. And the doctors and nurses knew by the look in your eyes that the term visiting hours didn't apply to you. But, yeah. Uh, that's so good. Yeah, and that scene is great. So I loved that scene. And then I also like the scene where he tells him it's not his fault, um, like we talked about last week. Those are yeah. my two favorite ones. Yeah, I really love the, the soulmate theme. Mm -hmm. What's important and what matters in life. Yeah, well, so related to that, what I mentioned last night when we were playing is, you know, earlier this week, I was watching a reaction to, uh, to Lord of the Rings. And again, I think, <laughs> and actually, no, this is a, it's a new first timer. I'll send it to you. She's only got the first one done though. So, okay. um, anyway, she was reacting to Lord of the Rings and got to the part where Gimli asked Galadriel for a, a strand of her hair. And she was like, what is that about? You know, and I've seen this like a few times with different reactors and usually they're women. I think it's funny, like most guys, when they look at that scene are like, you know, they get it. Like, yeah, Gimli, I understand. <laughs> and then I'll bet you pre-conversation with, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The therapist. Who's the actor that plays him? Why am I blanking? So Robin bad? Williams is the Robin actor. Pre-Robin Williams, right? Matt Damon's character would not have understand the strand of hair post Robin Williams. He understood the strand of hair. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, but okay, well, that's awesome. Uh, all right. Anything else? Yeah. And then I listened to four debates, uh, William Lane Craig versus four other guys, Sam Harris, Peter Craig, Christopher Hitchens, and, Alex Rosenberg on the existence of God and objective morality. Those were super fascinating. So, yeah. Nice. I've listened to the, the uh, Christians one and the uh, Sam Harris ones way, way back when in college um, or maybe even before, but nice. That's awesome. Uh, what was uh, any overall or core takeaways? Or things that made you think about? 
Well, yeah, there was one question which kind of, I think, circulated among all the atheists, which I think overall, William Lane Craig just has better arguments and one arguments that can't be refuted. Uh, and the atheist arguments sort of tended to, t obviously I'm biased, but they, they brought some, some interesting questions, where, you know, where it's like, oh, I got to think about this, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd say that William, you know, William's arguments are a little bit more grounded in reality versus sort of metaphysical potentialities that the atheists draw from. Um, okay. But one of the one of the questions, specifically relative to just objective, like objective morality, because it's really hard to defend objective morality if you don't believe in God. It's yeah. virtually impossible, basically. So you have to, you kind of have to admit that either there is no morality and it's relative or that somehow evolution has brought us to a place where we can identify objective morality but then that just means it's social contagion and it's not actual morality it's just mm -hmm. what is taboo and what is not yep well so there's so the interesting question one of the things that all the atheists brought up was you know the question of well how can and it's a question that everyone thinks of the very common who's not a christian doesn't believe in god relative to the existence of God, you know, how can God let all this evil happen? That doesn't make any sense if he's, if he's good, if he's love, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I also related to like all the terrible things that happen to little children all over the world and other countries and just all sorts of terrible things. So that, yeah. that argument was brought up a lot and it's the question of evil in the world. Yeah. And uh, it's something that I've thought about too, real, also related to Ricky Gervais because I actually really like Ricky. And um, like Afterlife is, uh, I love the TV show Afterlife. Uh, and I think it's, it's very thoughtful and also funny and clever and written well. And, but he's an atheist. And there's actually a really powerful scene in the end of the third season where there's a young child who has cancer, like very young, like probably four or six. And she asks him if he believes in God. And he wrote and directed the show. And he's anti, anti any sort of faith, anti, like he's an atheist. And so, it was a super interesting moment because I know what he thinks and how he thinks, but this little child who's going to die in a couple months from cancer asks him if he believes in God. And he says, yes, uh, even though he doesn't. So he lies to her to make her, <laughs> to make her right. Her, her death more peaceful and comfortable and mm -hmm. make her feel safe. I thought that was such an interesting scene. And then just related to what other atheists argue relative to objective morality. And that's, and the question of evil in the world, and for me, it's not an argument against God, it's an argument for God, because I don't mm -hmm. know how you can look at something as terrible as that situation, where a little child only has a few years to live, or they're living in pain, or whatever, or any other situation, and you, I don't know how you could look at a child like that and then tell them all they have is those few years of pain and the existence in this world. Whereas we would look at that child and be like, no, you have something so much better, so much more beautiful to look forward to. And your, your existence after this life, you, you have an existence that's perfect away from pain, right? Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting concept and something that I've been developing just in my thought process on how I would communicate that because it is such a common question that gets posed to Christians. Whereas so it was sort of a, on the surface level, some people think it's difficult to answer, but I think it's actually an argument for the existence of God. Um, so that was, and that was an interesting 
interesting developmental thought process that I had while listening. And then also just recalling, you know, from that moment in that TV mm-hmm. show. So, yeah. Yeah. I love moments like that in shows and movies and whatnot. Um, yeah. Well, it's, isn't it interesting that that's a question that has been debated as far as we're aware throughout history, right? Yeah. So you'd think by now we would have figured out the, uh, you know, the ontological or the philosophical or the metaphilosophical, you know, answer to it for or against. And instead, here we are having the same discussion that has been had forever. Um, yeah. And kind of weird to think about it that way. And then it also, I feel like maybe to a certain extent ties back into what we talked about last week relative, to, I think it was last week, about you know it not being your fault, but you're still responsible, right? So mm-hmm. it's not your fault that there's evil in the world, right? That doesn't mean that you're not responsible for acting in a righteous way, right? Or right. in an honorable way or a noble way or a good way or a healthy way or whatever, you know, the, the tact may be. So, um, so yeah, I, I've had that discussion many, many times. Um, but again, it's the, the only reason we can have that discussion is because of this sense of morality really was what it is, right? Right. And yeah. where does that come from? So, and then how do you defend it without a reference to an external uh, entity? Um, again, I feel like, you know, the problem is that you can defend it from a, well, if I'm going to live a 70 year long life and I want my kids to live a 70 year long life or however long, then you can create a frame of reference for how you can attempt to form reality, right? But if you truncate it down to a child who's four to six years old having cancer, what's the answer, right? Um, and, you know, or even how do you truncate it to, you know, what the shootings in Texas and Boston and all over the, all over the world, <laughs> um, you know, how do you then truncate it to those circumstances? Um, and it becomes more difficult, which if I think the temptation would be relative to a personal morality frame of reference or a relative morality that the temptation would be to say, well, that's just an extreme. So, you know, extremes we put out, it's like, well, no, actually, if you're going to have a philosophy, the nature of that philosophy is to govern or has relevance to all elements of life, not just relative to your, you know, perfect world that clearly isn't a reality, whether or not you think it can be or not. Right. I would say that is an extreme based on all of history. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I didn't do as much content stuff. I mostly was listening to catching up to some podcast stuff this week. Um, Anything good? What's that? Said anything good? Uh, it was mostly uh, my first million stuff. So good, motivationally, businessy, and stuff like that, and good for energy-wise, getting the the cobwebs, you know, cleaned out of the brain. Uh, I wouldn't say it was too impactful, um, but one of the things I was thinking about is 
you know, we were t- we've been talking about various aspects of living our lives and all this sort of stuff. And I was thinking about this idea or the idea or even the fact that responsibility is hard. <laughs> you know, I think that there's, it's, 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 it's natural to want to do the thing that feels natural, right? Like, you know, that's where hippie culture came through and a bunch of modern day uh, ele- uh, perspectives on how it is or isn't okay to live your life, et cetera. It's because like people always think that, oh, if I do this, it'll be easy. If I do that, it'll be easy. If I do this, if I just embrace who I am, it'll be easy. If I just embrace who I want to be, it'll be easy. It's like none of those, none of that is true. Uh, responsibility, which you're taking responsibility when you choose to do those things or not, right? Et cetera. Like responsibility is hard and keeping yourself locked in is hard and keeping yourself oriented to the things that you want to govern your life is hard, but that doesn't mean that it's equally not as hard in a, when you take a holistic picture, it's not equally as hard to not take responsibility relative to the consequences, relative to the mental health, relative to the attitude, relative to your interactions with others, opportunities that you are or not setting yourself up for. And so to a certain extent, you know, life is pain, your highness, right? (laughs) <laughs> I think if you kind of not accept that as a foundational uh, philosophy and, and, and rule of your life, but you accept that as a factor of life, that it becomes easier to say, well, hard things are going to happen and or I'm going to go through hard things, no matter what my philosophy is, no matter what I'm doing with my life is. Is it not better? And do we not have examples and stories and whatnot of it being better um, to take to act in a responsible capital R uh, manner. So, and that kind of tied in with, um, with something else I was thinking about, which is this idea of, which I've struggled with. So in, you know, in college, I'm not sure if I want to fast forward past college, but <laughs> I was playing some nice music. Um, in, in college, I was, I was pretty locked in. I had a lot of difficult emotional things and whatnot I was working through, and we could always do a podcast about all that. But uh, I was still, I was knocking out my schoolwork pretty consistently. I never pulled all-nighters. Um, I kind of had the philosophy of doing the 70% that got me, you know, A's and B's then rather than the 90 to 100% that would get me A's. And then I was also working a lot average of about 30 hours a week. And, um, and PHC has a, a, a significant course load. Um, and so, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty locked in in my career, my trajectory, et cetera. And I was playing soccer. I was working out consistently, et cetera. And then along came, I, you know, when I was working security, I would say my life for the year out of, well, for my junior year to just, uh, after graduation, which my senior year or senior, well, my senior year, I had only like one or two classes. I had very little to do. Um, so I was mostly just working and then working out and playing a little bit of soccer. But basically after that, when I started working at the graduate school in 2016, I was, I would wake up, at, I think I've said this before, right? But I would wake up at four or 4.30 or whatever it was. I would go to the gym. I'd shower, I'd work out for like an hour and a half real hard. I'd shower, go to work, 
do school and or work because I was going to be a master's school and or work all day in the midst of a crazy circumstance, um, tons of infighting and whatnot going on in the, in the company and navigate all of that plus the school stuff. And then I would either have school until late or I would have, um, you know, I would have uh, soccer and that was every day, six plus days a week, often sometimes seven. Um, and that was for give or take two years. And then about, I don't know, six months in, I kind of slowed down. My body gave out, had like skin condition. My shoulder was messed up. My ankles were, had been, you know, I rolled them a bunch of times and stuff and soccer and whatever. So just kind of like took a step back. And then, but I got this great job at Everfi. I was there for three years. Not that that was all, you know, roses and whatnot, but still on paper, really great company, really great job. And then I ended up at Move Buddha being the VP of strategic initiatives. We're going to do all this great stuff, right? And then I spent the last three months job searching because, you know, that company, we had to close that company down, that start startup I was hired to work on. And I, there's been a lot of times where I've been asking myself, like, why do I keep pushing? Why don't I just go figure out a job that pays 40,000 a year, um, which I was making significantly more than that, you know, go pay, find a job in somewhere cheap that pays 40,000 a year and stop worrying about life. Um, and so I, I was thinking about this idea of like, why do you keep pushing or, you know, why is it worth it to keep pushing? What is the point of keeping pushing? <laughs> it's not as happy, uh, as happy as last week's cigar. <laughs> Um, and I was thinking about it or the, the context that I was thinking about it in actually had to do with soccer because, right. I told the story of like, you're pulling up or I keep saying like, man, you got to yell at me. I, I was watching an episode of my Strategos podcast the other day. I was saying like pretty much every sentence, sometimes multiple times a sentence. I don't know where it came from. I don't think I used to talk like that came from Vienna probably <laughs> <laughs> maybe but yeah it, horrible so I was thinking about I was going to soccer right I told the story about pulling up and praying that the fence would be gone and it was and that made me real happy right but right. if I hadn't been prepared for you know if I hadn't been running around previously if I hadn't been getting my you know working on my dribbling and working on my um uh you know my hacky sacking and <laughs> that sort of stuff with the ball then, and I hadn't even driven to the spot, then I wouldn't have known the fence was gone. I wouldn't have been in shape to get a really good workout doing the things that I wanted to do outside, which is exercise in the sun, get some vitamin D, get some, a little bit of a tan and, you know, burn some calories. I, if I hadn't pushed through, you know, from sitting on my couch, if I hadn't pushed through the, all the times that I've gone and done other things to try and exercise outside and play the soccer ball, and I hadn't pushed through it in, in that moment go, then I wouldn't have been prepared. I would have 10 minutes in, I would have been exhausted. And the only reason I was able to, you know, whatever it was, 45 minutes or so, uh, 40, 45, the only reason I was able to push through is because I had been pushing through. Um, and the only reason I was able to do it for that long is because I had been pushing through. So anyway, I was just thinking about that as a, you know, you, you are always preparing yourself or setting yourself up for success or maybe not failure, but maybe not as much success. You know, I still could have gone if I was you know, 50 pounds overweight, just, you know, would have been much, much tougher. It was, you know, 93 degrees or something and super humid. 
So anyway, that was a thought that I had from this past week. Yeah, that's a good thought. Are there any things that you feel like you have to push through? And, or, and, or you ask yourself, like, why do I have to push through this? Do I have to push through this? Not sure there's anything that's major or significant that stands out. But, I mean, there are plenty of little things at work that I've got to do, whether it's moving a box two feet to the left that's heavy. You know, sometimes it can be easy to put it off or, like, oh, I don't want to do that right now. Um, so, small things like that can happen and occur somewhat regularly. You know, some, sometimes waking up in the morning because I don't have to go to work early, I choose to, uh, but you know, there are mornings that sometimes I don't. And then I get to the end of my day and I'm like, well, I really wish I just would have got to work early. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, always, always after the fact, that's always a thought you have. So save the freaking mind, you know, warp that that is and just get over it in the moment because yeah, a hundred percent that will always be the after the fact, just like cheating, you know, eating a bunch of cake or, you know, ice cream or sugar or whatever. Right. It's like after the fact, you're always like, dang it. I'm, you know, a pound fatter than I was 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it's like, you didn't have to have that thought. You could have just had one piece or you could have said, nah, I'm going to eat it tomorrow or have a piece tomorrow instead, you know, or I just don't need the whole cake, you know, or whatever. And that afterthought is always the one that, uh, that turns up. So, so in the moment when you got to move the box, do you say, you know what, screw that thought, I'm going to move the box, or do you actually put it off and come back? Well, I say as of, well, I say it as of recently that I've been, as of the last two-ish, three weeks, I've been becoming more aware of those types of things. And yeah, definitely addressing them and going, <clears throat> and going against what, going against my flesh if you will you know <laughs> yeah. going against my laziness and just pushing through it and then yeah it feels a lot better after yeah but sometimes sometimes it's the opposite where it can be sometimes it's more of like a guilt trip for myself where it's like not like it's the mental framework I set up for myself and this is more of just a personality thing but because I don't want to do that thing, I should do that thing, right? And that's not always true. Sometimes there's an easier thing that actually takes priority over the harder thing that still needs to be done. So I have to make sure that I'm keeping those two mental frameworks separate and making sure that I am doing what I should be doing in the moment, whether it's hard or easy and not just, and not, you know, being feeling guilty or guilt tripping myself into doing something that's just busy work which I can tend to do because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So, yeah. Yep. Those are good thoughts. Yep. Good job. <laughs> this, uh, I think it was this weekend. I watched kingdom of, I think it's kingdom of God. Maybe kingdom, kingdom of heaven of with, uh, bloom with bloom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kingdom of heaven. Okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I watched, I have you seen, seen it? it? Not yet. Okay. So it's really long. Oh, <laughs> well, I didn't realize how long it was. Uh, I was like, Oh, I'll just watch a movie. I was trying to find a shorter one. It's like, I'll just watch a movie. And then, you know, I got to be like, I don't know, 10 or 11. I was like, Oh, dang it. I'll just watch the other 45 minutes tomorrow. <laughs> so I put it down and I don't think it's like 
I don't think it's particularly great. We're not saying like here, Britain. I don't think it's particularly great, but I think it captures the elements of the situation relatively well. There's obviously a lot of modernizing of various elements, but I think that the there isn't anything else that I know of that kind of tackles that particular time. And it was a moment in history I actually wasn't uh, specifically aware of. So I, I enjoyed it for those reasons. And it's the Crusades, right? Well, it's not just the Crusades. It's actually post Second Crusade, the Christians, uh, Christians, quote unquote, right? The Western <laughs> empires had Jerusalem and various elements of the surrounding area. And that's what they were calling the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. I think it's technically kingdom of Jerusalem. And all the or multiple of the characters in it are actually real characters, which is cool from history. I was reading the history um, as, as I went through. And then afterwards, I read a fair bit of it. And so it's uh, basically the time surrounding just before the fall of Jerusalem to Saladin in 1187. And basically the siege took, he had defeated the army out because they kind of went out when they shouldn't have sort of thing. And they, uh, he attacked the city and basically uh, Balian of Ibelin and roughly 4,000 soldiers and, you know, whatnots defended the city against 20,000 to 20, 25,000 of Saladin's forces for 12 days. And at the end, they were able to negotiate a surrender of the city that actually ended up being super peaceful compared to when the Western powers went in however many years prior and they killed all the Muslims and whoever else was inside the city. So super interesting. So that's the time period. But I was watching it and I was thinking about the fact, or I know I wasn't thinking about the fact, I was wondering about the relevance of the concept of the noble lord over a fiefdom in today's modern times. Because I think, I, I assume many, if not most dudes, are drawn to the idea of being the, you know, the noble knight, so to speak, the noble lord, right? And there's something to that. We're like, oh, we love that. Now there's a flip side of that where it's like, you know, ah, it, it, there's a flip side of that where if he's not noble, that's, you know, ends up being horrible for the people underneath him and the peasants and everyone else who lived off the land and often around him and et cetera. So it's not the position in a power that I think is the, is the, the titular point as much as it is the concept of a noble man uh, or, and it could be woman, obviously back then it was pretty much men, but the, the noble individual acting in noble ways and, you know, chivalry and, uh, you know, act, yeah, sh chivalry and, and, and nobility. And I don't, I, I don't know that I have a thought about it. I mean, maybe you do, but I was just thinking about what that concept, what the relevance of that concept is in today's modern times, because, you know, I'm not going to be the, the lord of some fiefdom, uh, but I do, and I'm drawn to the idea of being a noble entity in the, in the world. I mean, in a way, don't you think you'll have like a modern, not like, but in a way, don't you think you will have a modernized version of a fiefdom when you have accomplished 
the many goals that you so desire, right? It is possible. Yeah. And I did Maybe a company wonder about with employees or yeah. successful business or whatever. Mm -hmm. I did wonder about it from that perspective. And I think that to a certain extent, that's true. But I would say the flip side of that is, or the a, a, a side path or consideration to that is the noble Lord, that was his role and entity in life. All of his, you know, his life was being the Lord of this area and maybe getting in some foreign wars, <laughs> right? But that yeah. was the, the, the point of his existence, quote unquote, versus, you know, if I have a business and, you know, I have multiple businesses and whatnot, you know, that being something that I am overseeing to a certain extent and responsible for in the, you know, maybe the noble, you know, noble, uh, nobleman sort of way. But also it's, you know, that doesn't account for my interaction, my relationships with friends, with acquaintances, with external conversations, with things that exist outside of that focus, uh, or even, you know, soccer or whatever. So then maybe this goes to the point of, you know, that I brought up last week of this idea of, I think it was last week, of, you know, having multiple different, instead of living a holistic life, we have to pick this is the thing that gives me fitness. This is the thing that makes me happy. This is the thing that gets me outdoors. This is the thing that, you know, I spend time reading and learning. And this is the thing that I spend time getting food. And this is my job. And this is my friendships. And this is my, you know, all these individual pieces versus being more holistic in ways that it has been in the past. But, but yeah, I think that's why I wasn't willing to simply embrace that concept relative to just, you know, having my company well what, what would be the noble the nobleman's external external communications and lifestyles outside of his fiefdom are you saying that there wouldn't be anything i just feel like they that? would be more specifically tied to his role as lord of x whereas i don't know that you know i would say that that much of maybe not the majority, but much of my existence wouldn't be specifically related uh, relative to being CEO or owner of X. Well, I don't know if I agree with that entirely because I would say that the premise of you being right, the premise of your fiefdom starts at those external sources or external communications and relationships, right? Because that's who you, that's who you are as a man, how, you know, how you influence and interact with people. And then yeah. that, uh, then that can be applied to how you run your business, how you grow your business, what you, you know, your goals or dreams or what you're in control of. So I feel like they're connected in that way, at least. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'm not saying they're not connected um, by any means. And I think also I wanted to think about it from a, a more general principle question too, because not everyone's going to be the CEO of a company. Not everyone's going to be the owner of a company. Hey, I, you know, at this point, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I definitely might not either be. <laughs> so there's it, obviously a lot of future to to determine there. So it's, it's more about that concept than how 
and in what ways it can apply to how you live your life. Because I think in times past, you know, the peasant had no way to be noble. He was just a peasant, right? Now he could act in a nice way or whatever, but that wasn't really accepted as much. And I think today there's much more quote unquote equality. Um, and I think that, you know, the peasants quote unquote, you know, which at this point were included in, right? Yeah. The, peasant, the, the peasants of today uh, cer certainly have the capacity to see, to see, to still see themselves and act in a noble way in terms of how they conduct themselves. And so I think I was, you know, I don't think a peasant wouldn't, would not have had a noble mindset in the way back then, as I think we today, you know, and for people listening, et cetera, have the capacity to have that mindset irrespective of being the CEO and owner and being in a manager of employees or anything along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, I think it can apply to your mental, mental frameworks. How you think about, how you think about the way your life is structured and how you act on that, how it's structured. That's a sort of fiefdom them if you will right mm -hmm. yep yep i agree and then that in turn has a domino effect on your relationships <clears throat> and on your goals that you're pursuing so maybe if you set it up from a mental standpoint it's applicable yeah yep i like that going along with that i think one of the other or, or, or one of the sister elements to that is the, you know, acting and the noble, playing the noble, being the noble in your life is still comes with difficulty, right? <laughs> Which goes back to responsibility is hard and all these other things. And so, right from this past week, you know, I, I texted, you know, the group chat and whatnot saying that you know, with my current position, right, coming off severance, you know, I have some savings and whatnot. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know exactly when my next job is going to start. I don't know what the solution is going to be. And I think it makes sense to start to get my condo rented out so I can cut down my costs. And if I reduce, you know, various other expenses and subscriptions and whatever else, then I can, you know, subsist you know, off those savings for a little bit longer. And I might even, you know, I mentioned filing for unemployment last week. It's just a way to keep the wheels on the wagon, which, you know, I, on the one hand, I feel horrible about. And again, I don't like it. On the other hand, you know, I pay taxes and it's like 28% or whatever, 27 and a half percent of my <laughs> yeah. paycheck. So, uh, <laughs> um, but still there's an element of, you know, feeling like, yeah, feeling as if I've lost the game or I'm beat or, you know, I am a peasant. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that's, it's very easy for that to get into your, get into my, my mindset. And I made the decision, all right, I'm going to file for unemployment. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, put, put together the plans to get out of my, my, uh, my condo so I can get it rented out. And, you know, maybe go live with 
a friend or, you know, maybe even come hang out with you guys or something where I can stay for free, basically, as a way of extending that, um, those savings and whatnot. Because I still have car payments, you know, I still have insurance, I still have normal things, you know, food, <laughs> you have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> Not really a zero sum game of subsist of uh, subsistence here that I can, uh, that I can win at. And so, unless I'm going to go full bore and, you know, disappear in the mountains or something. And, and I guess I could just take a vlog and turn it into become a YouTube channel. <laughs> but I think that what kind of calmed me down from the, first of all, making that decision did help me. I'll, I'll walk through the mental framework of making a decision like that. But I did feel better. Like, all right, I've got a plan. Even though I don't like the plan, I have a plan. That definitely felt better. There's some tension relief there. But second is I was reminded of the fact that, you know, there are a lot of people throughout history, a lot of great leaders, et cetera, who at, at least once in their life, if not multiple times, had to figure out how to circle the wagons and or take the people to the proverbial cave. Um, and that's an okay place to be in. It's not the place, you know, it's not the place that the, the noble Lord wants to be in. <laughs> But it's still a, you know, a reasonable place, you know, take Alfred in the last kingdom, right? They got, you know, met, he didn't pay attention to the right things. And they ended up in the marshes with, you know, about 10 people. But he was able to make a comeback, rally the team, and they pulled back out and he was greater king than ever. But that wasn't, that still was something that, you know, certainly didn't feel good and is a case in point of someone who had to circle the wagons. So I, on this topic, I actually, you know, see if I can find it. <laughs> I wrote this thread on decision-making. See if I can find it here. That I think at least encapsulates the thought process. And I'll just read it because it'll be easier than trying to pull from it. All right, uh, how to navigate a life crisis. The tectonic plates are shifting and it feels like there's nothing you can do. Generally, I'm superb at helping others through such times, but when trying to guide myself, the mental waves don't stop crashing. So here's what I need to do. First, don't wait to make a decision because paralysis will come. Its most common form is thinking that things will change by X, by Y, and then, or, and then by Y ad infinitum. It is the POWs who think, which is prisoners of war, who think they will be rescued by Easter, then summer, then Thanksgiving, then Christmas, who eventually collapse. Second, remember it is okay to circle the wagons, which is what I was just referring to. All great men and women have had to take the faithful band into the proverbial cave at some point, sometimes more than once. Winston Churchill spent 10 years in political exile. He wrestled with depression and he plotted the future. Third, Make your plan oriented towards a reasonably secure outcome. This likely isn't the time to make a bet. Reduce assumptions to the greatest extent possible. You should quickly note a lessening of tension upon deciding what your plan is. Fourth, stick to your plan and begin executing immediately. This is now your primary purpose. Making a plan and not proceeding is just a reinforcement of impending decision paralysis. Fifth, be reminded of the fact that there are many who love and support you. Just because you're not receiving 24/7 calls and texts doesn't mean you're not uh, doesn't mean you're loved and supported. Does not mean you're loved and supported 
Sixth, repeat and reframe as necessary, double down on each revolution. So that's kind of my recommended framework, which I'm currently vetting <laughs> uh, for, mm -hmm. you know, not the first time in my life, but currently vetting uh, for how to kind of deal with difficult circumstances uh, in your life, especially as it pertains to uh, facing impending tectonic plate shifting. I think that's a good foundation to lay. It didn't get, well, I guess it got two, two people liked it. So, you know, woohoo. <laughs> nice. Wow. Patience. But, <clears throat> yes. I need to get all my peasants to like it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. Anyway, I, th I feel like that's a helpful, helpful way to look at things and uh, to kind of navigate and navigate such circumstances. So yeah. anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, so kind of talking about the this idea of responsibility, it being difficult. Randomly, later in the week after I thought about those things, I saw a Jocko, you know, clip. And Jocko is basically saying, I wonder if I could play it. Maybe I can play it. I don't have it pulled up on the stream, so it won't be high quality, but maybe I can play it through my mic if I turn it up high enough. Uh, see here. All right. It was yeah, on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And you're the only one that matters. So I'm the only one here. <laughs> Can you hear it? Nope. It's really heavy when you start to look at your, your yes. life, your health, family, your relationships, and you look at all those things that are messed up in all those areas. You say all those things, all those problems in my business, my life, my health, all those things are my fault. That's really a heavy weight to bear, but it's also extremely liberating because if it's all your fault, you're the one that can fix it. It's really heavy weight. <laughs> so I thought yeah. that that was a, A, it was funny that that's, you know, <clears throat> what came of, uh, or what I came across randomly uh, after having had similar thoughts, but I like the way he put it. If it's all your fault, it's a heavy burden to bear. And realizing that is a heavy burden to bear, but it's also liberating because you're the owner that, you know, you also then realize you're the owner that can fix it. And yeah. I, I like that. That's a, so. that's a great, it's a great way to think about it. Like it's going to be a burden you're bearing either way. Realizing your fault makes it a heavy one. <laughs> and then simultaneous with that comes the liberating concept yeah, of that gives you the actionable it. actionable steps to yeah make right <clears throat> and again you know everyone's going through and will go through their own different versions of what is difficult and what is a burden right none of us are in concentration camps or pow camps none of us are on the you know the march from saigon or not saigon <laughs> Singapore to uh, wherever the, when in the, where the Japanese were, you know, making the British army that surrendered their march, however many hundreds and hundreds of miles, where the vast majority of them died. Right. So none of us are going through circumstances like that. That framework still applies. Like I was saying, it's the 
you know, the POWs, and this is a fact, it's the POWs who think, oh, I'll be rescued by then. We're going to get rescued by then. We're going to rescue by then. Each progressive then, and when then it doesn't happen, kills a Knocks little bit them of down. resolve, kills a little yep. bit of their spirit. And only they can, you know, change their way of thinking relative to that. Someone else can't say, hey, stop thinking about that way, you know, and fix the problem. Oh, that's, you know, that might not happen. It could be next year, you know, that's okay. Right. They can say that as much as they want. Only the person that internalizes it is the person that's you know going to get through successfully. So that doesn't mean you know, that person that got through won't have still have PTSD and a bunch of other things wrong. But still, it's uh, right. it's still relevant uh, framework, well, you're, no matter what you're your in life charge. circumstances are. Yeah, you're in charge of your mental fiefdom. So. If. A, uh, you know, something major happens not being able to find a job you know as an example right you don't let the other parts of your fiefdom that are in your control to just you don't just hand that over to the enemy yeah just because the mongols came in raided and uh burned your village doesn't mean you uh dig up your gold that you have buried underneath the the anvil (laughs) and give it to them yeah that's one of the things i was thinking about and just being this is now chill conversation <laughs> topic, but just one of the things I was thinking about was the incredible nature of military and just humanity in the past, right? So I was watching Kingdom of Heaven, right? And they're showing the, the city of you know, Jerusalem at the time, which is not real Jerusalem, but still, right? And it's just, these walls are massive, massive. And, and, and people with no technology, quote unquote, no modern day technology, brick by brick built these humongous walls, right? That housed tens of thousands of people. And then they're attacked by an army of 20 to 25,000 people, which is not even the biggest army that Saladin commanded. At one point he commanded like, uh, there goes like again. The number I've heard is like 200,000, Rich. I don't know. That seems like extreme, but still. Like extreme, man. There it comes again. I, the problem is I got into the habit of trying to soften my words and trying to finesse them so that they didn't come across as, as you know, pointed yeah. uh, <laughs> so they could be better received and more easily Embracing. heard. But still, geez, I sound like an idiot just using this term like all the time. So anyway. But just that concept. And then there's another, there's a Mongol one that I found that now I can't wait to watch, you know, where it's the, the Mongols would have the, the invasion of India, which took place over many years, which again, from Mongolia down to freaking India is where the Mongols were raiding. They could have totally wiped out Europe. Europe was just too poor for them to care about. So they came to the rich East and Middle East and whatnot. And, and at one point, give or take, now this is not necessarily all one single army, 240,000 on horses and, you know, pretty much just horses. 240,000. And often the Mongol warriors would have th- up to three mounts each so they could ride nonstop. It's crazy. Dude, like the, the, uh, apparently, like the, uh, apparently, like apparently the first army, give or take, that invaded India or something was like 100,000. I said like again. This this is gonna be the worst podcast episode because all I say is you know like and then yell at myself. It'll be good for you though because you 
yeah, we're, we're, we're taking this bull by the horns. So anyway, but it was, a, it was approximately 100,000 people. Go back even further to Leonidas in 480 BC. The, you know, it was a give or take. It was approximately 7,000. You know, it wasn't just the 300 Spartans. There were 300 Spartans, give or take, and then several thousand various others. 7,000 Greeks withstanding between 70 and 300,000. Modern day experts put it at 100 to 150,000 Persians who just marched. I don't know, hundreds, I, you know, I don't know the exact distance, hundreds of miles from Persia, which is modern day uh, uh, Iran. It's, 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 it's mind boggling. And just to witness the force of movement, you know, watching the ground move is literally what that would be like. Just yeah. incredible, you know? Crazy. I don't even know how you would, I don't even... I can't comprehend the logistics of a movement like that. And I use the like correctly, I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because imagining the food and then the, the chain of command and everyone being on the same page, it's just, it's Think insane. of how much water they drink marching yeah. that long in the desert with the yeah well if you're talking about with the horses too yeah yeah it's crazy it's incredible i love it i love it my spirit just goes Wah! when i come across stuff like that i yeah. just we're sitting here it. regarding a podcast talking about it yeah i want to talk about amazing people doing incredible things even if you know <laughs> A hundred thousand people of those, that army didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's wrong with the step? <laughs> but yeah, just amazing, absolutely amazing. The Mongol Empire is probably one of my favorites. Not probably, it is one of my favorites. And then we think about right, even more modern-ish is the, the British Empire at one point controlled. Was it, I don't want to get this wrong. So, one on one, momento. Yeah, at the height of, in 1922, the British Empire covered a quarter of Earth's land surface, which includes ocean, and ruled over 458 million people, which at the time was, I want to say a third or half, something like that of the world's population, you know? It just, here, world population, 1922. Uh, just under, well, under under 2 million, or, or yeah, not 2 million, um, 1.9 billion. So that would have been, I guess, a quarter-ish, give or take. Anyway, the point being, right, a quarter of the Earth's landmass was one empire. Insane, insane. And then they, you know, I was going back, you know, the Persian this and the Greek that and whatever, and this armada that, and, you know, it's like almost 200 ships, you know, which were made out of trees engaging, you know, crossing some smaller ocean to land on the other side, 200 ships. Again, back then, just insane. It's just insane. 
It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, that's probably a good place to wrap up. Something exciting. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> people should go check out Kingdom of Heaven, the, the movie, and let us know what you think. <laughs> Put it in the comment down below if you've seen it and what you thought. Again, I don't think the acting is that great. There's some modernistic aspects to it that I think are kind of whatever. And, but the, the characters are cool in that they were most, you know, the main characters were real, historically speaking. And it's relatively accurate, you know, relatively. There's a couple things that they took some freedom with. But it's relatively accurate from the historicity of what those characters did and the role that they played in the, the grand scheme of what happened. So uh, super, super cool. And uh, that's a good place to wrap. Anything else from you, River? No, I think that you finished it off well. So, All right, cool. Well, everybody, uh, reminder that we do this live on YouTube on our channel, which you can, it should be in the, I should actually link it down below so that's for the people who listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and whatnot. And uh, if you want to join us live, please do. Love to uh, get some conversational back and forth. Uh, on any and all things. If you guys want to see us chat about something or, you know, want to uh, throw something back at us, throw it in a comment down below on, uh, on YouTube. We, uh, we upload the recordings as well. And uh, this has been pretty cool. This is week seven. So seven weeks in a row, man, it's almost two months, which is kind of, kind of crazy, kind of cool. So yep. it's a, it's a nice thing to look back and say, well, I don't have a job, but I've been consistent every Tuesday <laughs> night. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right, everybody. Take care and have a blessed rest of your uh, your day and uh, whenever you're watching this.